really need you today, Lord. More than we need anything else, we need you. Praise God. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 24. Genesis chapter 1, verse number 24. And the Lord said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind. And everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind and God saw that it was good and God said let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. I want you to underline that word blessed. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which is the fruit of the tree of a tree yielding seed and you it shall be and to you it shall be for meat and to every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every, every, every thing. I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and the evening and the morning were the sixth day Genesis chapter 2 and verse number 8 and the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden and there he put he placed the man whom he had formed and out of the ground made 
the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also is in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden and from thence it went it was parted and became into four heads. And the next few verses name those rivers. And verse number 15 said, And the Lord God took the man, and he put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou shalt freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. I want to talk to you for a little while this morning about the blessing and curse of being human. The blessing and curse of being human. Everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The story of creation is one of the most captivating and fascinating of all biblical accounts. When you realize all that God did in that beginning and why he did it, it will inspire you. More importantly, for whom he did it. For whom he did what he did. It is truly an amazing story. When you look at the Genesis account, you see nothing but the majesty and the glory and the power of God working and doing His will, fulfilling His purpose, declaring, and it is so, speaking, and it is done. The first day saw light come. The second day the firmament, the heavens, and the dividings of the water above and the waters beneath. And the third day the waters were gathered into one place on the face of the earth and the land appeared. And on the fourth day there was light in the firmament. The heavenly bodies were put in their place. And in their orbit the solar system was put the sun and the stars and the moon and the planets, all of the things that make up our wonderful world in which we now live. On the fifth day, God created animal life of the sea and air, fish and fowl, and all of these, according to our reading, God did in abundance. He did it profusely. He didn't just put one or two or three, but he multiplied them. And he caused them to be able to produce after their kind so that there would never be want or lack of any of these things that he created. On the sixth day, God created animal life, the earth, 
would bring forth cattle and creeping things and the beast of the earth. And again, he gave them that same capacity of reproduction, of bringing forth after their kind so that the world will be full of his creative genius. And then the Bible said that he created man. And he did something different with man. The Bible said that he formed him from the dust of the earth. The word form in the Hebrew indicates a fashioning from design or plan. The psalmist, when declaring the wonders of God's creation, said it like this, that you and I are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so it was in the beginning. God's genius, God's will, God's purpose is being fulfilled. He said, let us. And he was not speaking of a plurality of Godheads, but he is speaking rather of the heavenly court that was watching all that he was doing. Because in the next verse, He says God created. He didn't need angels to help him do, but he wanted the angels to see what he was doing and he wanted them to praise him for his wonderful work of creation. And it was so. The heavenly court participated in the creation of mankind by offering their praises to God for his wonderful Handiwork, And when God created you and I, the Bible said that he created us in his image and in his likeness. The word image, is, its original form was, was speaking of the signet ring that a king wore. And he would take the wax and pour it on a piece of paper. And then he would place that signet ring on that wax and press it down so that it would bear the image so that when anybody saw that letter, they would know it's from the king. And so when God created you and I, he put an imprint on our life just like that, that there is in us that God-likeness. And then he goes on to call it that. He said, I made him in my likeness. I made him with my, my, my capacities in some degree of creation, of creative genius. Not the power to speak, but the power to build and make and work. And God put all that in man. Two powerfully suggestive terms about you and I that you and I reflect the form and the function of our Creator. And that's what elevates us above all other things that God created mental and spiritual capacities to discern and determine and decide. Yes, decide. You and I have the power to choose. God gave us our identity. And part of that identity that separates me from the animals and the birds and all the creeping things and all the stars and the moon and the sun The thing that separates you and I from all of those things 
is that you and I bear in our life a stamp of identity that said, that is mine. That looks like me. That should act like me. That should speak like me. That should think like me. That should. Amen. In his likeness. So he gave man his identity. You know, we live in identity crisis time. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the devil has taken the one thing that God gave you that can make you like him and has made men like the devil. And that's your power to choose. Amen. I'll get into that in a minute. And so the Bible said he blessed them. Everybody say he blessed them. The word blessed means he gave purpose to them. You're not here by accident. You're not here by a whim. You're not here just because you were a mistake. You're not here just because God needed some fill space. He needed some volume to fill up the earth. You're here because there's a purpose to your life. You're here because there's a meaning of who you are. And why God created you to be that. You have purpose. You have a reason for living. Yes. Now I know that there are spirits that work in this world that will tell you that you really don't have a reason to live and that you really don't have a reason to exist and you really aren't worthy to be here and nobody loves you and nobody cares for you but I've got news for you, that is a lie because when God made you and I, He put an imprint on us that said, hey, that is their own purpose. That is there with purpose. Amen. Somebody say, I have a purpose. Blessing. He blessed them. And when God blessed mankind, He did something again to man that He did not do to animals. Even though animals seem to have some kind of personality. They have some kind of of being that... Uh, we, we can respond to at times. I mean, anybody's got a dog, you know what I'm talking about. You have a dog long enough and, and, and it's like you can look at them and they know, they, they have, but they don't have that same imprint on them that you have on you. So that's why you shouldn't be living like dogs. That's why you shouldn't be acting like one either. There ought to be some principles about your life. There ought to be some things, boundaries in your life that say, hey, I was created for something better than that. I'm not acting out of instinct. I'm acting out of purpose. God put me here for a reason. Amen. I have purpose. And with that purpose came the capacity, the facilities, the ability, the competency, the power to do certain things like be fruitful. Well, you say, well, the animals can be fruitful. It said multiply. Well, the animals can multiply. He said be fruitful, be multiplied, replenish the earth, cultivate it, 
Oh, that steps you above because I've never seen an animal cultivate anything. I've seen them be used to help a man cultivate something, but I've never seen an animal cultivate. So there you go. God's elevating man again to a higher place and saying, I want you to understand why I made you. First of all, I want you to understand why I created all of this. I didn't create it for a show. I didn't create it for my humor. I created it with a purpose and I put you in it for a reason and you better wake up and realize that I have a divine imprint on my life and I have a divine calling and purpose to live out my life and not waste it. He said, subdue it. Hey man, subdue it. Now that really elevates mankind. Subdue it. You and I have the capacity to win. God gave us the capacity to overcome. God gave mankind permission to succeed when he said, I want you to subdue the earth. I want you to take what I have created and I want you to start making it work for your good. I want you to take what I have given you and make it work for you, not against you. Yeah, I'll get there in a minute. And God gave man that permission. He endowed us with the ability to rule and build and lead and create. He called it dominion. Everybody say dominion. You and I have the power to lead. We have the power to rule. We have the power to build and create. This is God's purpose for you and I. And the result of God's actions activated that purpose in my life. Life. Amen. And then God does something even more profound. He has created this fantastic, unbelievable world with stars and moon and sun and, and atmosphere and temperature and all of the elements that are needed to make it beautiful and, and, and attractive. And then he puts trees and, and fish and beast and fowl. And, and, and he puts all of those things in it. But he's not satisfied with that yet. He said, I tell you what I want to do. Now I want to put seed in it. And I want to put a lot of seed in it. And he said, I'm going to give it provision. I'm going to put in that earth the ability to reproduce so that man can now take that blessing and make it work for their good. And so he gives the bountiful provision that's already part of the wonderful creation. And the Bible said he supplies all the things that were needed for our success. Listen to what he said. Every, go through your book of Genesis in the first two chapters and just underline when it, the, the word ever or every is used. It's amazing. Every seed, every tree, every beast, every fowl, every green herb. And then to top it all off, he said everything. He blessed this terra firma that we live on with everything you and I need. 
And now we move into chapter 2. And chapter 2 is a slowdown. In chapter 1, you get a thumbnail of that whole spance of, 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 of the creative story. But in second chapter of Genesis, God, he slows the writer down and he takes him back. And he goes through some of those things in closer detail. And it's in those details that we begin to see the real majesty of God. For in this wonderful world that he had created, that has every kind of seed and every kind of tree and every kind of beast and every kind of fowl and every kind of green herb and everything that's needed in it and stars and moon and sun and air and atmosphere and clouds and mountains and and water and lakes and rivers and streams and all the fish and all the deer and all the antelope and all all the other things, all the creeping, crawling things of of our world. God put all of that there. (laughs) Yeah, he put all of that there. And then he said, I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to create a garden, an orchard is the literal word in the Hebrew, a fruitful garden. And he creates this garden by Eden. We we, we talk about it as the garden of Eden. The word Eden literally means pleasure. It was paradise. God put in that garden again all of the bounties that man would need. All of the capabilities. He made the garden to grow He made it to produce every tree that is pleasant to the sight, all that's good for food. He puts the tree of life there in the midst of it. And he also puts another tree there, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, I don't believe that tree was in the center of the garden. I I do know that the tree of life was there at the center I'm not sure where that other tree was, but God put that there. And it was into this place that God caused river, a river to start flowing. And that river flowed with abundance. And then it forked out into four different branches. The Pihon and the Gihon and the Tigris and the Euphrates, all of those words are used in, in Scripture. And, and this is what's amazing about them. Every one of them speak of blessing. Increase, Pison, Gihon means bursting forth. The Tigris means rapid, rapidly flowing. Euphrates means that which is fruitful. So God not only gave a world that is crammed full of glory and beauty and wonders, but then he makes this little paradise for man to live in. And he puts him in that place for his enjoyment, for his pleasure. The only problem is That now there are more options than there had been before. 
And there are options now that are at man's disposal that God said you have to be careful about those because there's some options you want to take. There's other options you don't want to partake of. There is nothing mentioned about man not eating of the tree of life. So I assume that he could. He could eat of it. Evidently he never did. Because after man's fall, God put an angel at that garden so man could not go back and eat of that tree of life and live forever in his sinful condition. Even God saw that wasn't good. Yeah. And so here we are in this paradise. And God puts man there. He places him there in this paradise. And here man has access. He has has authority. He has dominion. He has power. All of those were given to him for his good. And he is simply told, dress it and keep it. Cultivate it, work it, dig in it. Amen. Make it do what I created it to do. And keep it, preserve it, guard it, protect it. Amen. That's all God asked. <laughs> what an amazing God that he would give all of this stuff to us and he would put so few limitations. And yet, that's where our greatest struggle comes from. It comes from our humanity of having the ability to choose. You chose to come to church today. You chose to drive the car you drive. You chose to live or work where you live or work. Because that's how God created you and I. God wanted us to have that ability. He didn't want a robot. He didn't want a mechanism that he wanted someone who could relate to him out of the free will of their own heart because they love him. They see what he has done for them. They recognize the beauty and wonder of all that he has produced and they realize, God, you did this for me. man that had access and power and authority and he was given the ability to work it and till it and cultivate it and the responsibility of guarding it and protecting it and securing it and 
keeping it. Then comes a word that galls so many. And verse 16 of chapter 2 said, And God commanded. The very first time that word appears in Scripture, God commanded. He gave an order. He gave instructions. He gave a man something that he would be responsible for for doing or caring for in his life. And he said, I command you. And when God commanded us, it is unspoken, but it is understood that God also understood that if he could command us, then we had the capacity to obey him. Because God will never command anything that you cannot do. Well, I can't keep all those rules. That's just a thought. That wasn't even in my notes. God commanded them. He said... You have a responsibility. You have an obligation. And God created this man with the capacity to obey and the ability to make choices. And then he put a command out to challenge him to see whether he would use it for the right purpose. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hurry on. Why would God put something in their life that had the potential of destroying them? Why would God give them something that is of such power that it can make them Or break them. Why would God do that? Man had to come to an understanding in his relationship with God of what the power of his choices could produce in his life. He had to understand what those choices could yield to the consequences of those choices and so here man is surrounded by all of this abundance all of this wealth all of this overflow of the goodness and the mercy of God surrounded by enjoyment surrounded by pleasure surrounded by fulfillment and purpose and welfare and provision. Things that ought to work for him are not long working against him. Amen. And man failed. He messed up. He ruined that paradise. And why? Because he allowed his blessing 
to become a curse. The very fact that you are human means that you have choice. You have the ability to decide. You have the capacity to discern good from evil. If not so, then why would God put something in their life like a tree of that nature that they had no capacity to understand? God put a tree there because in his creative genius, he gave them the capacity to understand. And he has the power to obey and thus he has the power to choose. But man fell and this is why he fell. Because he allowed his eyes and his ears and his mind to deceive him. And this is what they did to him. They convinced Eve and ultimately Adam that they were missing something. That God forgot something. That God overlooked something. It made them consider that perhaps God had cheated them. That he had shortchanged them. That God had not been fair. Read the story. And when that happens in your life and mine, when we begin questioning whether God is fair or somehow God's cheated us or he slighted us and we haven't got a fair shake in life, or we haven't had the same advantages, I'm here to tell you that that's when your blessing can become your curse. When you allow that power to choose, to be polluted and sabotaged by a lie, my friend, those are still the same ways that the devil is using to defeat people this morning in this place, trying to convince you that God has shortchanged you, that God has somehow slighted you, that God has not been fair to you in all of your dealings. And if you're not careful, you can make a choice to believe that. And if you believe that, you're going to miss the greatest blessings in your life. Amen. You see, there are things that the devil has learned work through the ages. And that is to convince our minds that we're being cheated. That we're missing something. Why do you do that stuff? Why, why do you live that church life? You miss so much. I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't. No, ma'am, no, sir. I can, I can, I can, I can. I choose not to because I realize that there are some choices in my life that are not going to make me a better person. They're not going to bring me to a better place. They're not going to produce in my life those things that will help me fulfill my purpose. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The folly of all follies 
is for you and I to fall to the lie that God has shortchanged us. That he hasn't been fair. That he has not added everything. Man did lose. He lost what God had given him. And this is the tragedy of the fall. This this is the folly of the whole chapter of Genesis 3. Man was tempted to believe that they were not what God had already declared them to be. Satan said, in the day that you eat of it, you'll be like him. That's why he doesn't want you to eat it. And Adam and Eve had forgotten they already had that likeness. You see, that's how Satan works even right now. He tries to convince you that you're not something that you already are, that God said you are. And here's what happened. The devil doesn't know all things. He's not like God. He's not omniscient or omnipresent. He he doesn't even know your thoughts. Now get that out of your mind. The devil doesn't know your thoughts. I'm going to tell you what he does know. He knows your attitude. He knows your actions. He knows your predisposition to do certain things when certain things happen and you blow a fuse. And so he doesn't have to be a genius. All he has to do is just sit around and watch. And watch what we do with our choices. You see, I have a choice of whether I lose my cool or not. I have a choice of whether I lie or not. I have a choice of whether I do what's right or not. I have a choice. And so all the devil has to do is just stand around and watch me and see my attitude or to see my disposition or to see my reaction. He doesn't have to be a genius. All he has to do is just watch my reaction. Yeah. And he can tell enough by my reaction to know, hey, I got an inroad. And so he keeps working. You see, here's what you and I fail to realize. The power of the channels that God has given us for our good that can become our detriment. And those are our eyes and our ears because what enters the eye goes into the soul it goes into the heart it goes into the spirit what enters the ear goes into that inner man that stamp that God has placed upon me it begins to work on my mind and after a while I start believing this lie I'm not worthy, I'm a mistake I failed, I'm not of any value, I'm useless to God and the kingdom, I don't have any place in the church, I don't have any place in the kingdom and we start believing these lies that come to us about what we're not when the fact is we are I am a child of God. I'm not on my way to being one. I'm not about to be one. But I am a child of God. And what I need to learn how to do is use my choices in a way that reflect that I am a child of God. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise right now.
You, let's stand. When our power of choice comes under the wrong influence, it becomes a curse to our life. And your blessing becomes your burden. God gave all of this for us to enjoy. And you and I have a choice of what we do with it and how we utilize it. I have a choice. The Bible doesn't say that I am not to be angry because anger is a part of the human makeup. He said, be angry and sin not. You see, it's human to get angry. But what happens is when we step over that line and go beyond just anger. That is where we get in trouble. Amen. Somebody needs to understand the power of the choices that you're making in your life today are not only affecting you, but they're going to affect your family. Eve did not sin alone. Adam came down with her. And when you and I fail to realize the blessings that God has given to us to make a difference in our life, to make our lives better, more fruitful, more abundant, richer, Sweeter, purer, closer to Him, more like Him. When we fail to utilize those choices in the right way, then our humanity, the way God created us, becomes a curse. You see, right now, some of you are on the brink of making some decisions. You've already let something, whatever, wherever, however, convince you that you're missing something. There's something wrong with this place. There's something wrong. There's something wrong with my home. Something wrong with my marriage. There's something wrong with my relationship. And that unhappiness and that feeling like you're being cheated. That you deserve more than that. I cannot tell you how many times I have heard people that were on the verge of making life-breaking choices and decisions said, Brother Hughes, I feel like I deserve that happiness. And that word echoes all the way back to the garden. Because ultimately, Satan had to convince Eve, you deserve this. You you deserve more than you're getting. 
Some of you need to put your hand on your head today and say, God, I need you to renew my mind. I need you to wash out, flush out of my mind those thoughts that would come against me, that would try to convict, convince me that I'm not worthy, that I'm, I'm of no use, I'm of no value, that something's wrong in my life, there's something wrong with this place, there's something wrong with this person. God, I need you to touch my mind. I need you to renew my thoughts. I need you to refresh my spirit, oh God. I need you to touch my eyes and I need you to touch my ears, Lord, today so that what I allow to come through those channels will be a blessing in my life and not a curse. They will lead me to you and not away from you. God, help me today to put a guard upon my eyes and upon my spirit. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Lord, we need you right now. We need you right now, Lord. We have been blessed with so much, and yet sometimes we are so unhappy. We are so discontented. Lord, I I believe that I am praying for some here today that is unhappy and discontented and they have been convinced they have been convinced Lord that they deserve something better than that God I'm asking you to touch our minds today and our spirits and our hearts to be convicted Lord that your spirit would bring renewing that you would turn our eyes back upon you and the purpose and, and the calling and the identity that you have put upon our lives and let us live up to that glory and live up to that calling. Hallelujah. 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 Lord, I need you right now. I need you right now. Is there anybody here today that you're not ashamed to admit that you're struggling with some decisions? You're struggling with some thoughts that have convinced you that you're not worthy, you're of no value to the kingdom, that you don't count, that you don't matter. Would you be willing to just come and join me around the front and just stand here in the presence of God and let His Spirit bathe you and remind you of who you are? That you're created in His likeness? That you have His stamp, His image upon your life? That there is a likeness that is in you? There is a likeness, there is a similitude in you that can identify with Him? Lord, that you would renew our minds and renew our thoughts and renew our hearts and renew our spirit and wash us clean of all of those things that would pervert your purpose in our life, Lord, that would prevent you from fulfilling your will in our life. God, I'm asking you today, renew our thoughts, renew our minds, touch our eyes, touch our ears, 
Open our heart, God. Let us be receptors today of your goodness. Let us be awakened to your glory, Lord. Let us understand today and recognize the beauty, the beauty, the glory, the majesty of all that you have created us to be. That we would live up to that calling. Oh, Lord, that we would live up to that call. That we would live up to that call. The upward call of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah.